I'm Alex Mosley, and welcome to Winner Take All, where we talk about the constant battle against big tech monopolies and how to fight back against those monopolies and finally get some justice and parity. First topic is actually not about platform businesses, which all the tech monopolies are platform businesses. First topic is actually about streaming services, right? So actually, a lot of people have confused Netflix over the years to be a platform. We've said for years, it's not a platform. There's no supply side network effect. It doesn't have the defensibility that uh, a true platform business has because it's very difficult to emulate a YouTube and to compete against YouTube. You got to get millions of content creators to switch over to your platform. Netflix is it, it's it's linear in the sense that all of the inventory, all of those videos, sit on their balance sheet in one way or another. Either Netflix is creating them for themselves or they're licensing them. Right. So you look at YouTube. Where does YouTube's video assets lie? They actually don't lie anywhere on their balance sheet. They actually don't really touch their financials. So that's a really good litmus test to see when you want to try and see, hey, is this a platform business or not? Um, can you see the inventory, the thing that people are consuming? Right? Like, how do you quantify all the Google search results, right? Like all the stuff that Google's crawling. Do all those websites sit on Google's balance sheet? No. We've now seen, uh, you know, the streaming wars begin. That's this article. It's a pretty good article. Just came out in CNBC recently. And they just catalog, hey, here are all the streaming services. Here's how many subscribers they have um, and their average revenue per subscriber. So 208 million paying subscribers for Netflix. Only 75 million in the United States. Compare that to Disney. And Disney's giving a global number, 100 million globally. But then that doesn't include the Hulu. We've got another 40 million on Hulu, another 14 million on ESPN. You know, you actually add that up and you say, yeah, you know, Disney's around 160 million. Netflix is at 208. I'd say that's phenomenal progress for Disney. And if you look at the average revenue numbers, they seem much lower for Disney because that 100 million is a global number. So hot stars in India. So anyway, that's a very scary number if I'm Netflix, right? That's a very scary number if I'm Netflix's investors as evidenced by their basically flat stock price for the past year. Look, it, it's, you know, it goes up, it goes down. It goes, it's basically the same. We recently penned an article for Wisdom Tree called Why Netflix Isn't in Wisdom Tree's Growth Leaders Fund and Hasn't Ever Been. If you want to go read more about why Netflix is not a platform, why we've been bearish on Netflix uh, for years over the long term, right? So if you look at this in the you know past couple of years, yeah, sure, Netflix did really well for you. But over the long term, does Netflix have the staying power that a dominant platform business has? No. So go check this article out. That was a really well done piece. It doesn't stop there, right? You got Warner Media here with uh, 64 million subs, 44 in the US, right? 44 in the US. That's over half of what Netflix has. This they just rolled this out. It's barely been a year that the thing has been out. Amazon Prime eh, kind of counts, doesn't really count, it's bundled into Prime. Peacock at 42 million. They don't disclose revenue. Viacom at like 36, and then I don't and then 50 from Pluto. You can see it starts to taper off, but still 36 million. Netflix has 74. That's like Basically half. Discovery just actually merged with Warner Media. So if you add Discovery's 15 million in to these numbers, 
Then Warner Media is at, you know, really at uh, 80 million. And Apple doesn't disclose because Apple just has lack, lackluster leadership when it comes to innovation. Like they spend all this money, they're not even disclosing the numbers. That's not a good thing. Good job, Tim Cook. Long story short, look at Disney stock. Now, this is the one year, so you got to keep in mind that, you know, it, it was, it was, it's starting from a pretty low uh, bottom from a valley, that's for sure, because of COVID, right? But um, if we go a little bit more out, right, kind of pre COVID, they're at a buck 40. Now they're at a buck 77. Um, they're, they, they hit their all time high in what, uh, late March at a little under $200 or early March. Um, you know, I like I, I like the moves that Disney took. I like I like what Bob Iger is starting to put into place and then, you know, pass this over to Bob number two. This is a linear battle, not to be confused with the platform winner take all kind of battle. It's a very different kind of battle. Let's go to let's go to Tech Monopoly, then we'll go to some startups. So Tech Monopoly. Um, Amazon, one of the greatest tech monopolies. Um, I'd say the one I'm most bullish on from a growth prospect standpoint. Even now with the founder, CEO, about to go into space any day now. Now with Andy Jassy in, you know, in control, uh, I think that was a great pick. Someone that can really continue to innovate, unlike these like operator and like manager CEOs like a Tim and a Sundar. Anyway, what this article is about is Amazon demands one more thing from some vendors, a piece of their company. It's a really interesting piece. We've covered this about, and one of the first examples they give is Spartan Nash. Spartan Nash is a food distributor supplier to Amazon Whole Foods, now Amazon Fresh. You know, we covered this that Amazon was getting warrants, was getting a stake in the company. And like, hey, does that mean Amazon wants to go buy this company eventually? To me, what this article clearly, you know, outlines is no. They just want the equity. And now what these suppliers have had to do, Amazon's basically made this not a nice to have, but a must have. And they've pitted these suppliers against their competitors and said, well, you know, if you don't give us equity, we'll just go to these other guys and they will. This is unheard of. Since when does a customer receive equity warrants from, from the vendor? Right? It's just... It's just it just doesn't work that way. That's that's just not how it's done, right? It's a clear example of monopoly power. It's a clear example of who do platforms take advantage of? Anyone fill that in for me? Yes, it's not the consumer. It doesn't hurt the consumer. Who does this hurt? Suppliers. They're taking, this piece goes on to give you a number of examples, sometimes up to like 20%. Or it could be more, 30% of the company, just because they're the largest customer of that vendor, of that supplier. So they talk about uh, uh, you know, product distributors and product suppliers. They talk about logistics suppliers, um, particularly as Amazon's gotten more into air freight and, and, and air transportation, cargo transportation. Barton Nash is the first one. Then they go into some examples uh, with energy and 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 power companies transportation companies uh amazon also had the uh, i guess the ability to put someone on the board um in one of these companies i mean these are publicly traded companies right like these aren't 
small private, these are publicly traded companies that Amazon's getting not only equity, but governance rights in the company. They're not looking to buy these companies. They're just getting, a, they're just trying to get a little extra juice. You know, they know they can squeeze that, that orange a little bit more and boom, you know, they get some extra, you know, they get the nice like orange juice with the pulp. You guys like the pulp? I like the pulp. They're getting the pulp and a little bit of extra juice. And what I mean by a little bit of extra juice is like hundreds of millions of dollars, actually now billions of dollars worth of warrants. And just given what's going on in the stock market today, literally they're getting, um, by some estimates, up to $8 billion. $8 billion just from saying, I'm going to buy a bunch of stuff from you, supplier, right? And I'm going to make a big commitment to buy $800 million of stuff or services from you over a five-year period of time. Great. Give me 20% of your company. I mean, it's crazy. And then if you don't go with them, now they're going to enable your smaller competitor. They're going to give them a bunch of business that's going to make your competitor more, you know, much stronger. Give them that nice big press release in the market, uh, you know, have investors flock to them. But, you know, the investors flocking to them, like, actually, that's the funny thing about this. The, the, it talks about how the stock prices jumped. Spartan Nash, their stock jumped when it, when it was announced that Amazon got equity. I actually think it's a bad thing because those investors are getting more diluted by giving all these uh, warrants to Amazon. And Amazon, you know, is getting really good pricing on what they're buying from these vendors anyway. So it's not even like, you know, it's very low margin uh, uh, business, but high volume. So it's going to bump their revenue up, but you know, the margin is going to be paltry coming back. They get to keep the business, they get the press release, but honestly, it doesn't deserve a 20, 30% stock jump, which is, which is what often happened. I think the market was saying, oh man, maybe Amazon will go buy this company. And that's why the stock jumped, but just purely trading off of, they got the business from Amazon, those events don't uh, don't rationalize. So I thought this was pretty interesting. Another great example, platform monopolies taking advantage of who? Suppliers, not consumers. They get the margin out of the suppliers. Not only do they get the margin, now they get the, the equity in the tune of billions of dollars. Billions of dollars, just buying stuff. Crazy. Love this company. Zipline. Not a platform play yet. It could be. I would say just a really, really good vertically integrated logistics provider using what? Drones. And where do they start? In Africa. Delivering blood in 15 and 30 minute delivery times in, in Rwanda, right? Where, you know, it's they've got centralized distribution centers. They've built their own drones from scratch because they can't rely on crap from China. Um Love that. Love that they built their own drones. They get a text, boom, 15, 30 minutes. They fly. I'm going to show you a little video. Company is so cool. What's really cool about it is they just raised $250 million at a little under $3 billion valuation. And they're coming to the United States. They've been in trials to test out the service for now at least a year or two in the U.S. It's just an awesome company. So let's let's watch this. Meet the company that's beating Amazon to drone deliveries. Zipline has already logged over 186,000 miles and completed more than 4,000 deliveries since 2016. The company has focused on delivering blood and life-saving medical products to hard-to-reach areas in Rwanda, 
but will soon expand to other developing nations and even the U.S. The service that Zipline provides allows any doctor or nurse anywhere in the country to basically send a text message and get the product that they need 15 to 30 minutes later. Super cool company. It would make sense for one of the big logistics companies like UPS or FedEx to put money in. It looks like UPS might have given a few million dollars to them as a grant or something. Not sure if UPS actually invested, but if they didn't, if they did invest, smart by them. If they didn't invest, they should invest. Someone should invest. This company is doing phenomenal things. Another kind of cool company, um, but a little confusing. So this company called Gympass. It's funny now that Nasdaq is congrat- congratulating companies on their like TV uh, on raising you know money. Obviously, they're trying to woo them to go public on the Nasdaq, um, but uh, they didn't go public on the Nasdaq. But they did just raise two hundred twenty million dollars um, at a at a little over a two billion dollar valuation, and the company is called Gym Pass, not to be confused with Class Pass. But yes, Gym Pass, not Class Pass. I I did a double take uh, because Gym Pass, you're like, oh yeah, they got a gym act, gym network of over fifty thousand gyms around the world, and I was like, oh, isn't this isn't this Class Pass? No. It's not class pass. It's gym pass. <laughs> well, what's the difference? The difference is gym pass sells to businesses and employers that want to give, you know, a global network of gyms uh, and, and, and like, you know, fitness classes to their employees and class pass sells to the consumer. Gym pass is crushing. It has now raised hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Class pass seems like they're kind of on the outs and word is that they are, you know, might kind of have like an aqua hire, like a, like a acquisition, but like a not, not a really good acquisition kind of situation. This is class pass. And this is gym pass offered exclusively through your company. You can get berries and soul cycle. And, you know, um, I, I feel like you can get more premium things. Class pass always had that challenge that, you know, people would just want to go to use it and then go to berries. Right. And then like they would actually lose some of the more premium kind of like workout class gym providers as a result of that, because it's kind of like a race to the bottom and you would join it because you wanted to go to berries. Then they only had so much allocation from berries or soul cycle. And so you would never really be able to then get in and that whole stuff. But because gym pass is going through the employer you know, they can basically, they got a little bit more money to work with here. And, um, it, you know, it's not purely a race to the bottom when you have kind of the consumer angle where you're taking all this latent inventory from gyms in different classes and then making a membership program out of it. So really interesting angle. To me, someone should go buy ClassPass and just plug it into their network of like benefit offerings for employers because they, they have the network. Um, they could easily bolt in some of the higher end uh, gym providers, class providers that have left um, if they just go this employer angle and compete more directly with Gym Pass. So very similar companies, just different kind of business model based upon that target customer. And the latter, the employer angle, clearly doing much better now. Kind of, can I say post-COVID? Is this post-COVID environment? Um, or are we forever going to be in a COVID type of era? I don't know. I'm calling it post-COVID. Versus the class pass model, which is definitely hurting and will be interesting, interesting to see 
where that nets out. That's it for us today on Winner Take All. We have a great day. Thank you so much for joining us. I will talk to you soon.